stoking that jealousy. Um, I won't get into it, but I, I feel like sometimes I, I have all this, like, this B-side material that I'm like, I wish I could share, uh, like these extra things that I think are clever and witty that usually God just has me cut out. But I mean, you can look at our lifestyle today, okay? When my parents were growing up, my dad got a job right out of high school, and he kept that job, how many years is he here? 42, he stayed at the same job 42 years. Like I've stayed at the same job six years maybe. You know, like I've changed jobs a lot. That affects your ability, you know, to, to provide. It changes things. You know, I went to college first. I didn't really enter the workforce with, uh, you know, with uh, full-time work probably five or six years later than my dad did. He had a head start. When you look at the average home size, since the 80s to 2019, the average, the median home size went up almost 1,000 square feet while the family size went down by a couple members. So we're trying to buy bigger houses for fewer people. You know, when my, when, even when I grew up, I didn't have cell phone bills, didn't have internet bills. We didn't buy, you know, we didn't buy fancy coffees. We just had a very plain menu in our home, very plain dress. We had, we had a, you know, it was just common to be a little bit more plain, and we didn't have all the material expenses. Uh, I, I grew up, I didn't have a cell phone until I got married, you know. Like, I'm part of a, a unique generation. So there's, there's, times are different. But there's a stoking of jealousy in the world that plays on selfish ambition, and it creates a party spirit. It creates divisions. We know divisions come from Satan. They're part of the, not the fruit of the spirit, but the works of the enemy. So we have to test ourselves. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are also the opposite of the fear of the Lord. Would you say that? If you're living concerned with pleasing God, the opposite of that is living with a me attitude, pleasing myself, a self-centeredness. You know, Adam and Eve, uh, one of the first things they did when they ate of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, their eyes went on themselves and they noticed that they were naked. There was a self-awareness, a self-consciousness, a self-centeredness that enters with sin. Uh, so we have to test ourselves. We have to judge ourselves. And we have to make sure that we're in the truth. <clears throat> Continuing in verse 15. This is uh, not the wisdom that comes down from above. But it is earthly wisdom, unspiritual, and demonic. You know, was there, there was a book that was popular, I think, when I was, I probably was on Dean and Nell's bookshelf. Was it the, there was something about, like, the three enemies. There were three enemies or the battlefield. Of, there was the battlefield of the mind, right? But there were, we have the world, you know, the flesh, and Satan. We have three enemies that we battle, right? I think that was a popular teaching. That's a biblical teaching. And here's what he's saying. There's wisdom that comes, that doesn't come from above. Earthly wisdom is earthly unspiritual and demonic or sensual that unspiritual could also be sensual having to do with the flesh um, and so those concerns earthly as opposed to heavenly unspiritual or fleshly uh, as opposed to spiritual and demonic as opposed to godly those are the influences at work Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, 
There will be disorder in every vile practice. That's the fruit of that kind of wisdom. And you can see that at work in the world. You can see that at work. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial. There's that word again. Remember, God is not partial. There's no partiality in God. He's not a respecter of persons. We learned that. And we're not to show favoritism. That's part of the wisdom of God. And it's sincere. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, wisdom is not the same as knowledge, but we should desire this wisdom from above. And what do we do? James already told us, what do we do if we don't feel like we have this wisdom? In verse five, you ask, you can reread it. James 1, 5, and God who gives generously will give it to you. If you're confused about the world, you're confused about how you should move forward, you're confused about your life, you seek God for that wisdom and you apply the answers that you find in your prayer life and from the word of God with your fear of the Lord and you walk it out in obedience. And what you have is a lifestyle that displays this. This is really about a lifestyle. It's about your conduct. It's not really about head knowledge. It's not really about what you have in your brain and you understand. It's how you live it out, how you apply it. It really doesn't matter what you know. What you know doesn't really change your day-to-day -day life. It doesn't change your relationships. It doesn't change your situation. It's how you apply what you know. Um, I got notes in different places, but wisdom is an application of knowledge with the help of the Holy Spirit for reshaping our lives, transforming our attitudes and transforming our behaviors into righteousness. This is a lifelong process, but wisdom is the application of knowledge with the help of the Holy Spirit to reshaping our lives. It's a process we've learned before. It's a process of repentance. Repentance means to rethink, to have a change of heart, we get knowledge, we have the fear of the Lord, we adjust our lives, we apply it. That's a process, a cycle of repentance that we really never leave. We're continually having revelation about things in our lives that aren't godly. We repent, we adjust our lives, we apply it, we continue to walk it out in faith, and we see change. And we see God get glory, and people come to know him. You know, I found it really interesting, uh, you know, with James, he's, we said that his influences were obviously the Old Testament, very much so the book of Proverbs, as well as the, the teachings of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. In Jesus' life on earth, James wasn't a believer. He's a half-brother, but he wasn't really a believer. But he heard the teachings, and when he had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, he was changed, and he became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. But he had those teachings saturating his brain. And we see it coming out in his writing here. If you go back and look at verse 18, it says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you look at uh, James 1, verse 20, I believe it is. It echoes back here. James 1, verse uh, 20. Let's look at verse 19. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. He has another contrast here, right? You have the righteousness that God desires, and the opposite of that is human anger. So he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In the New International Version, it says, uh, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So the opposite of the harvest of righteous or sowing in peace is anger, human anger. And I think what James is calling us to do here, I think this is relevant as we interact with the world. We're, we're believers. We're in the world, but not of it. And we're to engage with the world in a way that compels others to follow Christ. We're to do good works that they see them and give praise to our Father in heaven. We're to live in a way that people ask us the hope that we have. And we're to give a gentle answer. It's uh, interestingly, in Peter, he says, give an answer in meekness or gentleness to win them over. There's a way of arguing for godly things that's the opposite of meekness that drives people away. But we're called to live in the meekness of wisdom. Uh, so there's a harvest of righteousness. And I was listening to a guy uh, teach specifically on this verse, and he said, and I felt, felt like this was very relevant, relevant, relevant and relevant. Was relevant a word like revel, revelatory? Uh, he said, God is calling us to minimize anger but never to minimize truth. Because we're going to have conflict in the world when we stand up for truth, right? Daniel stood up for truth. He cre- there was anger coming towards him, but he wasn't angry in return. He was meek. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up for truth, for God's truth. And there was anger addressed at them. They increased the furnace, you know, Turned it up so that even those who threw them in were consumed, but they weren't burned. There was no minimizing of truth. They stood for truth, but there wasn't anger. There was a meekness, a meekness of wisdom that they walked in. And I think taking this with last week's message, I think God is very concerned with the way that Christians walk in today's world because there is uh, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, praying on our people, praying on our nation, praying on our young people, and it's stirring up strife, it's stirring up dissensions, it's stirring up a party spirit. It's, un, it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Uh, and where we have the jealousy and selfish ambition, we have disorder and every vile practice. We see these things existing, taking place in the world. We see this, God's word being Uh, lived out and we have to be concerned with how we walk in the world because we want to win people to Christ we want we want those people in the world we want our loved ones our young people we want those around us to come to know the Lord and we have to walk in the meekness of wisdom and we have to know when we're operating in a party spirit when you operate in that spirit of selfish ambition, anyone who comes against you is, a, is a, a, a mortal enemy. If someone comes against you, if you're operating in that way, uh, anyone who disagrees with you, 
they're going to see you. That person is going to see them as a mortal enemy. Challenging their way of life, challenging their worldview, challenging the, 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 the doctrines or the ideas that they hold dear. And so when you come with truth, you're going to be seen as an enemy. But if you come in the meekness of wisdom, right? Think about Daniel. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Think about ultimately they faced attack. They faced accusation. They faced punishment. They faced lions and fire. I don't think any of us have really gone there yet. But when they walked it out in the meekness of wisdom, they won people. There were declarations of truth that were made, right? There were things that were changed. Never minimize truth. But you have to be careful that you are speaking God's truth and not your truth, not your party truth, whether that's your denomination, your religious background, your political party, your uh, class party. It's not party truth. It's God's truth. I think God is very concerned with this and he's giving us a clear message and through James and a clear message to his church. Walk in the meekness of wisdom. Uh, I was going to read this. I started to read it and I was in the wrong place. But uh, there was a, a Bible commentator I read. Um, and I found this kind of challenging to me. He said, it's out of keeping with the temper of bitter jealousy and rivalry which is party spirit, selfish ambition, factiousness. Do not pride yourself on that. On the, do not pride yourself on the intensity and harsh zeal which lead to unscrupulous partisanship, which are sometimes justified as loyalty to the truth. All right, that's kind of, that could be wordy. He's like, he's saying, don't pride yourself on how uh, intensely and with, with harsh zeal that you hold to things that aren't God's truth, putting it in my words, but are your party truth. Some people are very proud of, of the way that they hold to the party lines, the way that they can, they can, they debate and they argue. And there's, I, I, I have to confess, I feel, I, I feel a desire to argue with people when I see them say what I think is stupid things, you know? Um, he said those things are sometimes justified as loyalty to the truth. He's warning us, stand on God's truth. Be very careful about the truth you proclaim. He also wrote, uh, religious people may be extremely provoking and defeat their own ends by overbearing methods. Right views and sound counsels may lose their effect if they are expressed by men who are self-seeking partisans or unscrupulous controversialist. So he's saying, uh, you can defeat your own ends. What you're trying to accomplish, you can, you can defeat yourself if your methods, views, and counsels are expressed in the wrong way, if they're not walked out in the meekness of wisdom. Does this seem relevant? We have a partisan world. We have a hostile world. You can take a, an, you can state an opinion on almost any topic, and there will be lots of people ready to argue with you on what seem like the most, you know, unnecessary, irrelevant topics. 
right? And I kind of enjoy, I like, I like that banner. If you want to talk about steaks or the best way to prepare them, you know, like I'll get into a, a little, little banter, a little argument or something like that. Uh, we have opinions, don't we? But we have to be careful that we don't turn people off from the message of the gospel by not walking in the meekness of wisdom. I feel like that's, that's what the Lord had for us today. So I'm going to stop. Is that all right? Um, so I'll pray. Uh, how are we at on the video? You want to take over after this? We go to communion? Tracy? Go to communion. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we look to you and we remember. Um, we remember your life. We remember the last days of your life. Remember your, you in the garden, sweating drops of blood, crying in anguish, and resolving that your Father's will be done. And we see you in meekness, in restrained strength, marching to the cross. Like a lamb to the slaughter, we see a meekness, and we, wanna, we want that to be displayed in us. We want to walk in the meekness of wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom to operate in these days. I pray that everyone here, especially those of us who are teachers, who have influence, who speak into people's lives, that you'll give us the meekness of wisdom and that you'll give us influence. Influence that the words that we speak that are yours, that are your truth, that they will ring true, that they will cut through lies, that they will have impact and power to bring people to the fear of the Lord, to a saving, uh, a saving faith, a saving knowledge. And that we will begin to walk with them and disciple them to walk in your meekness, the meekness of your wisdom. But Jesus, we remember your death and resurrection and we celebrate it. We know that you purchased for us salvation. You return to the Father that the Holy Spirit may come. Lord, help us to walk in the fullness of what you purchased. We receive it now, Lord. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your spirit. We ask for your eyes to see the world. We ask for your attitude. We ask for your mind. We ask for your truth, God. And as we take uh, communion, we just reflect in our hearts, have gratitude and let it overflow with praise, Lord. As we go about our lives in this world today, we pray in Jesus' name.